Company Watch Financial Analytics. Welcome back to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, a financial and commercial risk analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning, Joe. So we're joining the Back to School Brigade um, today and recording our first episode after the summer. Um, it's Thursday, the 3rd of September today. Our last, we left you in our last episode in mid-August, and that was the day after the June GDP figures were released. Um, so I thought it might just be worth recapping um, where we are. UK GDP in Q2 2020 fell by 20.4% compared to Q1 2020. And so that means that overall GDP is 22.1% down um, on where it was in Q4 2019. So obviously a huge, huge, huge dip. Um, most of the fall came, as, as we all know, in March, April and May, um, when we were at the height of lockdown. The June figure is actually relatively positive, um, and it showed an 8.7% increase in GDP compared to May, and that was actually better than most economists were expecting. Um, we also looked at some of the retail spend data from July, and at that point when we, when we last recorded, we had the KPMG BRC data, um, and that charted a 4.3% increase in July 2020 compared to the previous year. Um, and then the ONS figures were released on the 21st of August, um, and that seemed to agree with these numbers um, broadly. But I think what we wanted to look at here, that that's, you know, a relatively in the context, quite a positive headline, but actually it kind of conceals a much more nuanced um, and in a way quite revolutionary picture of what's going on in retail. And Nick and I thought that that would be quite a good place to start back on this um, this podcast series. So, Nick, can you just talk us through the detail behind those headline figures what's what's going on yeah certainly certainly um, <clears throat> can but if you'll forgive me um i want to go off at a I always slight, forgive you nick <laughs> <laughs> i want to go off a slight tangent to your introduction um <clears throat> because you mentioned the date the 3rd of september <clears throat> mm-hmm. and of course this is the 81st anniversary of the start of world war ii which should remind us all never to ignore geopolitical risks in credit and supply chain management, and particularly now given just how fractious international relations are and how fragile peace is in places like the Middle East and the eastern fringes of Europe. <clears throat> mm. So just a little warning that there are bigger, there's a bigger picture than just the UK. Um, now, we're obviously going to talk a lot of today about uh, a retail. So, again, uh, you need to indulge me here, <coughs> uh, Joe. I couldn't help um, but notice um, how events can demonstrate so graphically the particular problems of the fashion industry in retail. Yes. When two such polar opposites on the sartorial respectability scale, as Moss Bros at one end mm-hmm. and Anne Summers at the other end, <laughs> Mm-hmm. admitted this week that they are both considering using uh, a CVA to address their property cost issues. I mean, why wouldn't they? Everybody Why wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also noticed that somewhere in the middle of that scale, um, uh, the news is out today that Fatface has been rescued by its uh, lenders. So another casualty. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, it's, it's almost surprising. We almost should list the ones that haven't gone through these. Um, these yes, and there, and, and there really aren't very many of them. No. But let, let's, let's go uh, to this, uh, some of the detail on retail. Um, and you, know, you and I decided we'd look at this in more detail, pretty much prompted by the Financial Times, who mm-hmm. published 
this week um, a remarkable deep dive into the issues developing at one of one particular retail location on the fringes of London, um, where the commuter town of Watford is seeing what you might describe as the perfect storm mm. of pandemic problems. Although, to be honest, this is a yet another case where the virus is accelerating trends that were uh, that have been eating away at the fabric of that town centre for decades. Um, and I should declare a personal interest here because. I've been cursed um, <clears throat> with having Watford as my local shopping location for over 45 years. <laughs> so you know it pretty well. I know it pretty well. The trigger for the deep concern about the future of Watford um, was the decision last month by John Lewis, um, who decided to close their store in the town's into centre, yeah. which takes away the last anchor tenant for this sprawling solar shopping centre, which is now in every sense adrift um, in a sea of retail problems. The other major retail attraction in the town centre disappeared a little bit earlier in the pandemic when Debenhams decided not to reopen their flagship department store of the future uh, after the lockdown. Now, the shocking aspect of the John Lewis decision was that apparently the store couldn't make a profit despite being in a relatively prosperous location and despite paying no rent because it was the original anchor tenant in the centre. So if if you're in a prosperous area and you're not paying rent um, and you still can't make a profit, there's something very... There's something really wrong. And I, I think that's the thing we've been talking about. Lots of these CVs, CVAs have been about negotiations with landlords yeah. and that isn't <laughs> even an issue no, I, I mean, I mean the, big, the big problem there, uh, uh, clearly, I mean, there's a store layout problem, but let's not get into that sort of level of detail. The business rates on the store are 800,000 a year, which is, you know, wow. uh, you know it's major, but this is a, de- a huge department store. Mm. So I don't actually think that's the problem. It's clearly the wrong, the wrong store and the wrong demographic. Mm. So hence they've, they've closed it. Now, equally tragic um, is the fact that the centre's owner into, which is, of course, itself in administration, only finished a major expansion of the site in 2018. And it spent, uh, when it spent £180 million on almost doubling the complex in a scheme that was built around Debenham's gin palace of a retail creation, which is now no more. And, And of course, this unfolding drama in Watford plays straight into the, the latest Grimsley Review recommendations, which uh, were published in July, which I was honoured to co-author, I have to say, with a great deal of help from um, uh, a lot of company watch research. <laughs> and, and it's the perfect illustration of just what's wrong with bricks and mortar retailing. Mm. Uh, not just of that, but how town centres have to move away and quickly from reliance on retail. Okay. If they're going to stay the ghost towns that sadly they still are, um, even after life has returned to some sort of new normal post-pandemic. And you would think, wouldn't you? I mean, again, we, we talk about these, um, I think coming on to talk about the, the way that um, suburban centres have recovered typically much quicker than the city yeah. centre locations. And you would think that Watford should be a case study in uh, suburban well, it should survival, be. A, shouldn't it? it? It's a commuter location in a major um, uh, rail link into into Euston in 20, 21 minutes, I think, the fast trains. So it should it should work. Um, uh, 
But for whatever reason, uh, it, it simply doesn't. I don't suppose the relegation of the town's football team from the Premier League will help <laughs> football or spending no. in the town either. No. And pretty much the only thing now holding Watford together as a destination is its M&S store. And I think we all know how challenged that retail brand We're is quite, right now. Yeah. You know, and and, and it, it, it'll be fascinating to see how the local authority and other key st- stakeholders react and how they reinvent Watford. But it highlights the dangerous potential for a ripple effect on businesses in the area mm. and what could happen and what has happened in other towns where major retailers have gone. And it will be an exodus, won't it? Because those tenants who have taken well, space on relying on the fact that they want John Lewis and Debenham's customers what, what to we, come. We know how the downward um, death spiral works. You know, footfall drops. More retailers will fail or close their Watford unit. That'll impact local suppliers and service providers. It'll reduce employment, which in turn cuts local spending and so on and so yeah. forth. You know, and that's why there has to be re, uh, re, reinvention. So we will we will watch that space mm. and see what happens in, in Watford. Um, moving on from Watford, which boy, oh boy, I would lovely, I would love to, um, <laughs> but can't. Um, I, I, I want to turn to some amazing research by the local data company that was published in The Guardian this week. Yeah, um, this is very impressive. Actually, we will send a, um, a link around with the, the podcast because it's definitely worth looking at the, um, the yeah, article and the visualisations they've done. Yes. I mean, the local data company basically has hundreds and hundreds of people um, running around the country, visiting town centres and high streets and looking at a whole range of aspects, but particularly vacancies and shop openings. Uh, and it, and it, it is... Um, it's a highly sophisticated um, operation um, and they produce some fantastic data. What they've done here is to compare and contrast city centre locations, which are denuded of workers right Mm. now, office workers, with commuter towns or commuter suburbs. And they've also, out of interest, also looked at some tourist destinations to see what's going on. And what you get, uh, let, you know, let's start. The first one they looked at was the Spinning Fields complex in Manchester, huge office uh, com- complex area, yeah. a little sort of um, commercial business district all, all on its own. During lockdown, and, and they looked at, at retail units and hospitality outlets, so pubs, yeah. clubs, restaurants. Okay. During lockdown, only 8% of shops, pubs, Etc. were open. In post-lockdown in July, it still was only up to 58%. Compare and contrast to uh, Sale, also Mm -hmm. on the outskirts, well, on the outskirts of Manchester, Manchester. very much a commuter area, 25% of those units remained open during lockdown, and there are now 88% of them reopened. So it's almost a big difference. Mm. Um, uh, And again, look at um, Ealing, the borough of Ealing, um, and the Broadway, particularly um, on the western edge of of London, another commuter suburb. 22% were open in lockdown, 88% are now reopened. Yeah, same figure, 88%, 90%. Compare it with St. Ives, tourist destination. 9% 9% open in lockdown, but they haven't recovered so well. 
despite the staycationing and the tourists. So they're only back up to 77% reopened. And it's because, uh, and they've done a compare and contrast with Kendall in Cumbria in the Lake District, Um, there is a lack of diversity in St. Ives, too many shops selling books, clothing and beauty services, and they're struggling. And I suspect it also tells you that staycationers are cautious with their spending. Yes. They're cautious mm. with their spending. Um, and the last and presumably one, have had to spend, I mean, we, we all heard the stories of, of once the restrictions on travelling in the UK were lifted, prices of, of, of staycation yeah. rents in, the, in those places skyrocketed. So, skyrocketed. So because um, people have less money to spend mm. on the, on, if you like, the, um, the, the software of a, of, of a UK holiday. Yeah. Um, Kendall in Cumbria, again, it, you know, that, but here's a little different. Of course, it's a tourist destination, but a strong local community, much more diverse high street, um, 17% open in lockdown, and they're up at 87%. I mean, I know that we've we've talked about this before, haven't we? And I think there has been this this concern that, you know, when we go back to talking about V-shape and you do get that kind of steep downwards and we're starting to to see the trajectory up. And actually the the thing that that, that are starting to concern people is that last five or ten percent are back to normal. And that's going to be the thing that that determines whether there's long term scarring or whether there's because clearly, you know, that that if you shut down the economy, you're going to have a massive, massive impact on, on GDP. Yeah. But the actual, the, the interesting thing is, at what point do we get back to where we were before in a sustained I, 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 I know. Way? And, and, it, and it, you know, it, it's a matter of just how even the, the, uh, the, the top, the two tops of the V will be, yeah. whatever, whatever shape and wiggle there may be in the V in the, in the middle. Um, and, and lastly, because obviously time is pressing, um, in this research by a local data company, they broke down their figures between different sectors. So between restaurants, cafes and fast food, pubs and clubs, um, food shops, household retailers, health and beauty and fashion. And there you get a really clear picture that um, even in the more uh, more successful places like um, Sale and Ealing, um, and St. Ives, fashion is nowhere near back to back to 100 percent or even or even 88 percent, and health and beauty like likewise. Mm. Um, but uh, you know things like um, pubs and restaurants are doing uh, are have pretty much all reopened everywhere except spinning fields where there are no workers. There's nobody. There's nobody to populate them. No, and I can tell you. I mean, I was up in London uh, doing something for the BBC the uh, last week. And I happened to walk through the the northern side of the West End from Oxford Street back up towards um, Euston, and it's a desert. It's a desert. Shops aren't open. The the restaurants aren't open. Um, It is really odd Mm. because there's nobody working there. Why did you open? And then I think even this, you know, I think Boris Johnson um, claimed, didn't he, at the, the Cabinet meeting, earlier this week that um people were going back in large numbers to um to work but you know the data the transport data doesn't really seem to um to bear that out no. i think tfl is still saying 70 percent down on the equivalent period um last um last year and i think that there will be although it's a little bit um up on on august i think that there are um there's a lot to to go before people yeah. start getting back into 
into the um, into the offices. Well, well, there, there is, and um, I think you know this data from the local data company is invaluable, uh, and I tell you why because it doesn't just confirm that office worker dominated locations are still suffering badly. It shows which sectors at which location are worst hit. Mm. Um, and I think the message from all of that is yet again that you've got to know and to differentiate your risk in retail and hospitality. And geography and subsector considerations are vital components of any risk management strategy right now. Yeah, and I think we've got we've got one last. I know I'm conscious as, as you say, time is running out. But one, there's one last um, point to illustrate that, and it's something that we we've talked about. I think periodically again on the on the podcast is um, you look at Crawley, for example, and and here, you know, according to the picture we painted above, it's commutable to London, and you know should be actually the suburban centre that's doing well. Of course, the the flaw in that argument is that there is a major local um, employer at Gatwick Airport in a sector that has been completely devastated by um, by COVID. And we, we know that um, British Airways <coughs> cutting a quarter of its workforce, 12,000 jobs. It's already started that process. Um, Virgin Atlantic has, um, has is leaving Gatwick, or troubled enough as it is. BA hasn't ruled out also quitting Gatwick. Um, and Gatwick has announced plans, again, to lose a quarter of the um, the jobs at, at its site, and that has a massive ripple effect. Um, I think the Sussex Chamber of Commerce um, says that Gatwick supports around fifty five percent of the workforce um, in Crawley, and obviously there are other other centres around there that will be um, will be impacted at all uh, as well. So, you know, I think that is a as you say that is a, the key again is to really understand the context in which your your risk operates and, and understanding that the headline numbers is all very well. And it's, it's very useful to have a sense of where GDP is going and what retail sales are doing and, and these other economic indicators. But actually, it doesn't really mean so much at the headline level if you don't really understand the dynamics that are going on within the context. Yes. And, and anything that happens, whether it's in Watford or it happens in Crawley, um, to put the situation right, will take time. I mean, you know, mm. we were talking earlier um, in terms of aviation, IATA is now saying 2023 before yeah. normality might uh, might return. And you know, there's, there's plenty of precedent for areas reinventing themselves. Goodness knows, you know, the, the places like Corby after the steelworks closed. Um, and, uh, you know, so this, these things can be done. They don't happen overnight. No. And, there and they need government support damage. as well, don't they? I think that's the other thing that was interesting hearing at PMQ's um, yesterday, the, the course of the furlough scheme to be um, extended in a targeted mm. way. And I think there, there are some really tough choices coming for the government in the months sure. ahead because, you know, the risk is that the, we'll lose whole industries that are actually viable in non-COVID times yep. if nothing is done to support them um, them now. But then, you know, that that probably means that the the, the doom sectors, the sectors that are already on that decline, like the bricks and mortar re- retailers, are probably not going to be in line for for support because sure. you know they weren't they they haven't got that viable long term, that long term future. Um I think that's that brings us about, about to a kind of a good place to, to close. Sorry, it's not not as quite as optimistic as we started. We've um, we've uh, we finished on a, on a slightly um, concerning note. I think looking ahead at the, at the week to come, more rumours about how we're going to pay for this. Maybe it's too early. I think that 
there have been certain rumours over the over the weekend of testing ideas about how um, how the taxes are going to be raised to, to fund this. So we, we might look at that um, next week. Also, we've got the July GDP figures that are due to be released on the 11th of September. So that's next Friday. Um, and we'll try and coincide our recording next week so that we can we can talk about those. Good. Well, thank you so much, Nick. Fascinating it's, as always. It's lovely to <laughs> lovely to talk to you again. It's a pleasure, even even if it's a doom laden pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, and thank you all to listen for listening. And that's it. Goodbye. <laughs>